Welcome once again to Searching the Scriptures radio broadcast. We do appreciate you tuning in again this week as we look into the Word of God and study the Bible here on this program each week. I'm Pastor Travis Alltop, and it's always a privilege to have an open Bible before me and another opportunity to expound the Word of God. We need to have a revival of Bible students and Bible reading, Bible study in this country. Jesus Christ uh, insinuated that there would be very little faith, if any, on the earth when He came again. You'll find that in Luke chapter 18, verse 8. Uh, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Well, you say, what's going on there? Well, the Bible says that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Your faith is strengthened by what God says. You have to know the truth and know what God says before you can have faith in what God says. And uh, the lack of Bible preaching and Bible reading that's going on in our country has greatly hindered the work of the gospel and the power and strength and influence of our churches. So on Searching the Scriptures, our desire is to get you back in the Word of God, to whet your appetite with some thoughts and some truths that you might get in the Word of God for yourself and study it throughout the week. Now this week, we're going to go back to Galatians chapter 3 and uh, verse 24 and continue talking about the law of God. Galatians chapter 3, verse 24, the Scripture says this, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Now, over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about the Apostle Paul, who is our pattern. He is the Apostle to the Gentiles. And we observed him in Acts chapter 24, verses 24 and 25, witnessing to Governor Felix. The governor wanted to hear about, quote, the faith in Christ. And the thing that is very startling and somewhat unsettling is how Paul presented the gospel compared to how many present it today. Paul did not begin with grace. He did not begin with a message of God's love, but rather he reasoned with Governor Felix. What did he reason about? Well, he reasoned with him of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. And we have been speaking and studying the purpose of the law, because if you're going to reason with someone about righteousness and about the standard of righteousness by which they're going to be judged, then the law of God must be resurrected in our preaching and teaching and in our witnessing. The law of God certainly does serve a purpose. It is the standard of righteousness by which we reason with sinners. Now, here's the thing that has tripped us up. Listen, I've been raised in Baptist churches all my life. I'm not ashamed of that. Now, if you've listened to me very long at all, you know that I do not... Uh, I do not promote denominationalism in the sense of that having anything to do with eternal life. It does not. Salvation and eternal life is found in a person, that person being the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's who we try to exalt and lift up on this program. However, let me just say this. The people who have the proper doctrine, and most Baptists have the gospel down, the death, burial, and resurrection. They have down the fact that we are saved by grace through faith. We have that down. And it is the truth. I've been taught since I was a little child that my works cannot justify me or save me. And that's exactly what the truth we find written throughout the New Testament. The Bible says that if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Therefore, we conclude that a man is not justified by works or by the deeds of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. And this is a true statement. However, Baptist people in particular, I have noticed, and maybe it's true of you if you're not a Baptist. Maybe you know this as well. But I deal mostly with Baptist people, and here's what I've found out. I have found out 
that because we realize the glorious truth that we're saved by grace through faith without the deeds of the law, that the law cannot justify a man. The Bible says in Romans 3.20 that by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, speaking of God's sight. And we know this to be true. We know that the law cannot give eternal life. But here's the mistake we make. Knowing that truth, we then ignore the law or reject it altogether and fail to recognize that God still uses the law and has a function and a purpose for the law even in this age that we now live, even in the church age, the age of grace, as they say. Dispensationally, the law still has a purpose. And the Apostle Paul, who's the apostle to the Gentiles, who is our pattern and example, told us what the law would do and often used the law to point out some great things. What did we learn in last week's lesson about the law? Well, in the book of Romans, we found out three things from Romans three nineteen and 20, where the Bible says, We know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. For by the, uh, the law is the knowledge of sin. So we found out three things. Number one, the law singles out sinners. You see, sinners move in herds. Most people are not concerned about judgment. Most people think that they're not really in trouble with God. And therefore, they say, well, you know, I'm not perfect. I would, you know, every time I've ever shown someone the verse, Romans 3.23, which says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Most people will say, oh, yeah, that's true. I believe that. But, you know, that's right. Nobody's perfect. So you see that they do not look at the verse as a condemning verse that condemns them particularly for their sin. But rather, they look up upon that verse as a comforting verse, as a corporate verse that, yes, nobody's perfect. And therefore, we're all sinners. The problem with that is they can always find a sinner that they think is a little bit darker and more stained than they are. Therefore, they're not alarmed. But the law will single them out. And it will show them their sin. Paul said clearly in Romans 7, 7, I had not known sin but by the law. For had the law, for I had not known lust except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. So we saw the great function of the law in singling men out as transgressors. Secondly, the law also does a wonderful work in silencing the mouth. And listen, the Bible speaks there, Romans 3.19, of the mouth being stopped. In other words, before a man gets saved, his, his excuses and his self-justification and his verbal self-defenses must come to an end. Now, I'll tell you a classic example of where the silence, the excuses stopped. That is found in Luke 23, verses 39 through 43, the old dying thief that passed from death to life. One of the great things is he stopped excusing his sin. You know what he said? He said, does not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. He admitted his guilt and he admitted that what he was getting was what he deserved. And you know what you, it's hard to find in this day and age. It's hard to find a sinner that will stop justifying himself. And I'm going to tell you something. Listen to me. As long as you're excusing yourself and you're excusing your sin, you'll not be saved. Because if you're justifying yourself, that means you're not willing to allow Jesus Christ to justify you before God. And I'm telling you, you'll take those arguments right to the grave and have to bring those arguments up before a holy creator someday 
in the judgment. But the law will stop the mouth. It'll single a sinner out. It'll silence their mouth. And then thirdly, we showed how that in Romans 3.19, that all the world will become guilty. Now, I think that's important that you notice that all the world will be made guilty by the law. Showing you, listen, I, I am a dispensationalist. And I'm not ashamed of it. I believe in rightly dividing the word of truth in order to understand this book properly. But listen to me, sometimes dispensationalists can make statements that are wrong. When a dispensate you say, How do you know if a dispensationalist makes a statement that's wrong? Well, that's you go back to the Bible and you find out the, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And here's what I've had some dispensational people say. They'll say, Well, yeah, the, the law does that, but the law's not for us, Brother Altop. The law was given to Israel. Well, I understand that the law was given to one nation and the law being the entire Mosaic law, all 613 precepts, statutes, and commandments. I get that. That was given to one nation. The Bible says that. It was given to govern that nation when they were in the land. I get that. But listen to me. The law, the basic righteous statements of the law as found in the Ten Commandments, are you listening, are written in the conscience of every man. Jew and Gentile alike. You'll find that truth expounded in Romans chapter 2 when the Bible says to those who have not the law. In other words, they don't have the Mosaic law. They don't have the written law. They're a heathen. This is speaking of the Gentiles. For when the Gentiles, Romans 2.14, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law. These having not the law are a law unto themselves which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness. So you say, what are you saying? I'm saying that in the conscience of every person that's ever been born on the face of the earth, the righteousness of the law is written there. Now, what do I mean? I mean this. That heathen who doesn't have a Bible, who doesn't have a preacher, who doesn't know the gospel, he still knows that it's wrong to steal. They tell a, the story of a, a tribe in the deepest jungle that had no written language. They, only, they had a language, but it was not in written form. They had no written alphabet. But you know what they found out when the missionaries got in there? The missionaries went to them and began to teach them and, and to come up with a written language for them. They found out that they had a law among that tribe. You weren't allowed to steal. It was wrong to deceive your neighbor. You could not touch your neighbor's wife. It was wrong to take another person's life. Where did these heathen who don't have a written language, where did they come up with this standard of righteousness? Oh, I know where. Romans chapter 2, verse 14 and 15 just told us. The law of God, the righteousness, the basic law of righteousness found in the Ten Commandments are written in the law, or I'm sorry, written in the heart and conscience of every person on the face of this earth, even those who don't have a Bible. So while the law was given to govern one nation and it was given in all of its glory and its detail in written form to one nation, listen to me, the law is still in the hearts and conscience of all men. And that's why the Bible says that the law will make the world guilty, not just the Jew. So the law still has a purpose and a function. You say, what does it do? It singles out sinners it, it silences sinners and it sentences them as 
guilty, all the world. So when the books are opened, the law will come forth and will find people to be guilty. Now let's go to Galatians 3 and look at verse 24 and talk about this law some more and what its purpose and what its function is. Look with me, if you will, again. Let's read it together. It says, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. So the law, fourthly, has a function and has a purpose in this age. And it schools us. What's a schoolmaster do? Well, a schoolmaster is nothing other than a teacher. It teaches some things. So let me ask you this. What does the law teach us? We've seen the function of the law. We've seen the purpose of the law there in the book of Romans. Here in the book of Galatians, it says that this law is not only a silencer, it not only singles us out, and it not only sentences us as guilty, but it schools us. It teaches us some things. What does it teach Well, number one, I wrote three things down that it teaches us. It teaches us that we are condemned and in trouble with God. Now, if you don't believe that, back up in Galatians chapter 3 and look at verse 10. The Bible says this, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. Brother, if you're going to stand before God and you want to be judged by the law, you're going to reject the gospel and say you're going to take the, ch- the chances of, of doing okay. I see these uh, signs, these bumper stickers of these people, these ignorant people that say I w- it's okay, I was born okay the first time. That's a jab at people who preach the new birth. Jesus said you must be born again. So they make fun of that, think that's just some kind of a religious uh, you know, saying or some kind of a religious cliche. No, my friend, it's eternal truth. The son of God said you must be born again. Why? Because those of you who are going to try to show up in your natural birth body at the judgment, you're going to be under the law and you're cursed. So the law, the first thing it will teach you is it will convince you of your sin and show you that you are rightfully condemned by a holy God. You see, a lot of people act like, well, you know, if God was so good, why didn't he just forgive us all? Well, then God would cease to be holy and righteous and good because a good God who's holy and righteous cannot allow sin and unrighteousness to go unpunished. So the law points out and convinces you of your sin and it condemns you and it teaches you and it teaches me that we are justly condemned and under the curse and therefore in trouble with God. You know what a man told me one time he, he was talking about? He said, I want justice. We need justice. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I do not want justice with God. The old song says, if we had gotten justice, we would surely be lost. Can I tell you something? When I stand in judgment with God, I don't want justice. You know why? The law already told me. I wouldn't stand a chance. They that are under the works of the law are under the curse. As it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. You see these people that are all the time talking about, well, you got to do this and you got to keep this law and you got to do that. Do you know what they don't understand? They don't understand that they have to do not just the part of the law that they like. They've got to do it all. I remember years back preaching on the street corner here in Danville and a very misguided man pulled in and he said, well, what are you doing out here? And I said, well, we're out here preaching the gospel. He said, uh, you're going to do, uh, you're going to do work on a Sabbath day. So I knew immediately that I'm dealing with the man who's, who's totally consumed about the Sabbath. And I said, uh, well, uh, yeah, I don't mind. I said, doing something on the Jewish Sabbath. I said, I'm not a Jew and I'm not under the Sabbath law. 
And he told me, he said, well, we are under the law. And he said, we, are, we do have to keep the law and we have to keep the Sabbath day. And he said, but you won't preach the Sabbath day because he said, you go to church on Sunday. And even though God has shown you plainly in the Bible that you're supposed to be uh, going to church on Sunday, you won't do it. He said, and the reason you won't do it is you'd lose your congregation. Therefore, you'd lose your salary. Well, when he said that, that stirred me up a little bit. And I pointed at the time to a S10 pickup truck that was 20 years old with 300,000 miles on it. I said, do you think I'm in the ministry for the money? Give me a break. But number two, I said, you need to go back and study your Bible. I said, where do you live? He said, I live down in Somerset. I said, whoa, wait a minute. You mean you drove up here from Somerset today? I said, isn't that about a 40-mile drive, 45 miles? He said, yeah, what about it? I said, according to the law. You're not supposed to go more than two furlongs, and you don't even know how, two fur, how far two furlongs are. I said, do you cook in your house on the Sabbath day? I said, he said, well, yeah. I said, well, the Bible says they're not to kindle fires on the Sabbath day. I said, what are you doing turning your stove on? I said, you're supposed to turn your stove off on Friday at 6 till Saturday at 6. That's the Sabbath day, according to the Jew, according to the Old Testament. And he began to back up and he said, well, no, no, that's not what we're talking about. I said, yeah, I know. I know what you're talking about. In other words, you pick and choose what you like about the law. But the Bible says, if you're going to justify yourself by the law, that you have to continue in all things that are written. It's not the hearers of the law that are justified, but the doers of the law. And you can't just do portions of it. You must Obey it completely if you're going to justify yourself. Well, you can't keep it completely. You haven't kept it completely, so you're condemned. You're under the curse. And you say, well, I'm going to try to keep the law from now on. Here's the problem, friend. Future obedience to the law does not erase or take away past disobedience. You see, the law teaches, if you're really listening to what the law is saying, it's telling you, guilty, you're condemned, you're cursed. If you go to the judgment under the law, the law is going to condemn you rightfully. And you're going to be cursed in that day and hear God Almighty, your Creator, say, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. You see, the law schools me and teaches me that I'm in trouble with God and I'm condemned. The second thing it teaches me is that I cannot save myself. Verse 21 of Galatians chapter 3 says, Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. Righteousness does not come by the law, not for you and me. Righteousness is a perfect standard. I'm sorry, the law is a perfect standard of righteousness. But listen, because we've broken the law, it shows us that we are under the condemnation of the law now because we've not continued to do all things. We're cursed, and therefore we cannot save ourselves because no amount of good deeds in the future can undo the amount of disobedience of the past. Let me give you an example to illustrate my point. Maybe you realize, and you've come to the place where you realize you're in trouble with God, but someone has come along and said, hey, you just need to straighten up, do the best you can, and start trying to quit, quit doing this and start doing that and hope that you make it. Well, the problem with that is this. What if somebody in this community began breaking into homes, 
robbing people, knocking people out, taking people's lives, and stealing from them. Everybody, the whole city would be on alert for this criminal, whoever he was, this burglar, this murderer. And let's say that the judge and the, the police find this man, the law captures this man and hauls him into court. What if this man stood before the judge and said, listen, I am sorry for what I've done. I realize now, standing before you, that it's wrong what I did. It was wrong for me to break into the homes here in Danville. It was wrong for me to take uh, things that did not belong to me. It was wrong for me to take those people's lives. I see the error of my ways. And so, judge, let me walk out of here. And from now on, I'm never going to do that again. And instead, I'm going to go through and I'm going to water all the plants on Main Street. I'm going to go to Millennium Park and I'm going to pick up all the trash. And from here on out, I'm going to go and I'm going to help little ladies across the street. I'm going to volunteer my time at the help center, and I'm going, to, I'm going to try to give my goods away to the poor. Let me ask you a question. Would the judge let someone go based on the fact that they were promising to live a better life and started doing good deeds? Now, you know the answer to that. If the law is going to be upheld and if justice is going to be served, you cannot allow lawbreakers to go free because they promise to do good in the future. No amount of good deeds will ever take away our multiplied breaches of God's law in the past. We are sinners and the law teaches us so. It teaches us that we are condemned and it teaches us that we are hopeless and helpless before a holy God who knows all about us. You see, the law condemns us not just in our actions but also in our hearts. And when we have broken God's laws... There is no amount of good deeds we can do in the future that will undo the broken law that we've left behind. So therefore, we cannot save ourselves by keeping the law or promising to the law that we'll do better in the future. When we stand in judgment, we'll hear him say, Depart from me, curse ye cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels, unless we can find someone who would stand in our place and be judged in our place. So the law teaches us we're condemned. It teaches us we cannot save ourselves, but it teaches us why Calvary was necessary. The Bible says the law was our schoolmaster. It teaches us to bring us unto Christ. It condemns us. It curses us. It tells us that we cannot save ourselves but yet it leads us to Calvary. Look at verse 13. Why do we go to Calvary? Well, listen, what did Jesus Christ have to do with the law? Well, the law could not condemn him because he lived a sinless, holy life. He was sinless. The Bible says he was holy, harmless, undefiled, and separate from sinners. And this man, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the God-ordained, God-sent substitute for sinners condemned by the law like me and you. And when Jesus Christ died on the cross, the Bible says in verse 13 of Galatians 3, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. How? Being made a curse for us. Here's the good news, sinner friend. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. 
He was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. God hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. The Bible says that when he died on the cross that Jesus Christ bore our sins in his own body on the tree. And so the law teaches us that we cannot save ourselves. We are condemned when we stand in that judgment. But blessed be his wonderful name. It points us to Calvary. The old evangelist D.L. Moody used to say that the law can chase a man to Calvary, but no further. In fact, the Bible goes on to say in Galatians 3.24, after it says that the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. It says, after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. So that we are no longer under the law when? When we go to Christ in faith. You see, he became a curse for us. He was made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. Do you want the blessing of salvation? Do you want the blessing of justification? You know what one of the great blessings of Abraham was? It was the fact that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Do you know what the law says we lack? Sinners lack the righteousness that we need to get into heaven. But it teaches us to go to the one who was made a curse for us, who was made sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, was introduced this way by John the Baptist. Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. He takes our sin away because he became a curse for us and died under the wrath of God Almighty for us on the cross. But even, on, that's the negative side. On the positive side, not only did he take our sins upon him, but now he will give us righteousness if we will believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. When the man in Acts chapter 16 verse 30 asked, what must I do to be saved? They answered and said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. What are we missing? What does the law show us that we lack? We lack righteousness. We lack the holiness to fellowship with God, to know God, and to get into his heaven. That's what the law teaches us. But you know what it also teaches us? It teaches us to go to the God-ordained substitute. Jesus Christ is our substitute. He was wounded for our transgressions of the law. He was wounded for our iniquity. He was bruised. The Bible says all we like sheep have gone astray and have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord, God the Father, hath laid on him Jesus Christ the Son. The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus died for your sins. He became a curse for you. But blessed be his wonderful name if you will flee to Calvary and humbly bow the knee and ask God for mercy and look to Jesus Christ for your salvation. The curse of the law will be removed and you'll be blessed with faithful Abraham and come into the blessing of Abraham through Jesus Christ. And you know what will happen if you put your faith in Jesus Christ? We'll receive the promise of the Spirit. How? Through faith. The Bible says the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. Let me ask you a question as we close the lesson today. Have you graduated from the school of law? 
Has the law taught you what it was designed to teach you? That you're condemned, a criminal against God? Has the law taught you that you cannot save yourself because future obedience will not erase and take away past disobedience? Has the law schooled you to show you that you must flee to Calvary to find safety? Listen, as a young boy, I felt the weight of my sin, and I went to Calvary in simple childlike faith, and I took Christ as my Lord and Savior, and friend, I passed from death to life. The law can no longer rise up and condemn me. Why? Because Jesus Christ was condemned and punished in my place, and rather than wrath, he gave me righteousness. When? When I repented toward God and put my faith in Jesus Christ. May God help you to understand this glorious truth and receive Jesus Christ today as your own Savior. May God help you to understand and may you know the blessing of Abraham through Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved.